Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. 
It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. This is Srini. Welcome back to the Unmistakable Creativity, or what might now be called the Unmistakable Productivity Hour, because that seems to be what I want to talk about. And I also realized it was mind-numbing to do this by myself. So I recruited somebody who would be willing to subject themselves to talking to me for an hour. And since none of you were willing to call in and even leave a voice <laughs> message, I decided to reach out to my best friend who happens to be very well versed in productivity. And today we're going to talk about optimizing for laziness. What's going on, man? Hey, I am. this is going to be fun, man. I am looking forward to kicking this out. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Gareth was actually a guest here on the podcast about two years ago. And I remember <laughs> when Gareth started the four businesses that all failed before the one that he has now he once asked me he's like you ever think that you'd ever have me as a guest on the unmistakable creative and i'm like yeah probably not right now but maybe and then when yeah he built this business i was like okay i heard him doing an interview with somebody else and i was like all right that interview was nothing compared to the kind of interview that i could do with you i'm like i'll get so much more interesting juice out of you. And so for those of you who don't know, Gareth, basically, I want you to tell the story of how this business started because it's highly relevant to the subject of optimizing for laziness. True, Give us a condensed true. version because so, we I want mean, people yeah. to go back and actually listen to your interview. So here's, yeah, here's the condensed version. In, gosh, I don't know, 2017, I was working as a financial analyst. I lived and breathed in Excel. So I knew my formulas like you wouldn't believe, and that was my bread and butter. And I took an unexpected layoff. I read an article in Business Insider about this new tool called Airtable. Some of you might have heard about it. Anyway, one thing led to another. Airtable looked like a spreadsheet, so it was familiar to me, but it was way more powerful. And it had this capability of doing automation and all this fun magic behind the scenes. And I instantly just gravitated towards it, realizing how it could help people be more productive with their lives by leveraging automation and structuring data in a better way. So that yeah. led to my company, Gap Consulting, which now is, we're, we're probably going to break the 1 million mark this year in revenue. It's doing pretty and well. How long did that take? Four years? Yeah. Our first Six. year, I think we started at like a hundred grand when it was just me. I say we, but yeah. back then it was just me. And now we are. Yeah, now how we're how much did you make your first men. week? Wasn't so. it like $15,000 in the first month <laughs> just by creating a few okay, YouTube yeah. videos? Yeah, that, that's the short, like, thumbnail version, yeah, yeah, right? No, yeah, we'll give you the, yeah, so we want people to go back and listen to the episode. The first week. Yeah, okay, so. Yeah, go back and listen to the episode, for sure, but. Yeah, yeah, so that should tell you why what Gareth is doing is so valuable and why what he has to say is worth listening to. If somebody's making 12 grand in the first week they start a business, they've done something right. Very few people can do that. Unless they're selling cocaine, hmm. that might have been more lucrative. A cocaine, I bet you a cocaine dealer would be. You know, I, I don't know. I've, I maybe it, we should I'm find sure out, would. but then again, I'm not really big on prison considering how many of our podcast guests have told me what prison is like, but yeah, so, I think I'll, yeah, let's stay out of prison. 
Yeah, yeah. Staying out of prison is good. That's the lesson here, kids. <laughs> Stay out of prison. Jail yeah. is not a good time. I don't know if you've seen Shawshank Redemption, but that should motivate you to stay the hell out of prison. And if that mm. doesn't motivate you, yeah. go listen to all our episodes with people who have served time. It you know, sounds True. not particularly you know pleasant. But anyways, I was thinking about doing this episode in particular because I've been uh, working on this mem course and I started to build a lot of automations myself. And suddenly I got in this, what can I automate mindset? And of course today, ironically, my attempt to automate something ended up being a shit show and a giant waste of time, which was uploading videos to YouTube. But for the most part, a lot of the things that I see people wasting a ton of time on all could be automated. And when I showed you something that I did in Airtable, you came to me and you're like, wow, you've really you know, taken this to the next level. And I was like, yes, because I'm optimizing for laziness. Yeah. I don't like doing bullshit work, which I feel like <laughs> ends up taking up a lot of time. But you know, I think that the reason that was so important to me and why I thought you would be the perfect person to come and talk to me about all the things I like to talk about productivity wise was that you were the one who put me on this path. I still remember very clearly when you sat down with me and showed me <laughs> what an Airtable calendar could do or the editorial calendar could do. And yeah. you know, for everybody listening, I smoked a joint before Gareth showed this to me. So I was even it's more true. stunned and we were about to go to a movie and Gareth <laughs> looks at me and says, yeah, why do you think I'm making so much fucking money? And he was like, let me build your editorial calendar for you. And I'm like, all right, cool. You make me sound worse than I remember, well, but it's yeah, pretty accurate. It's a telling. fair, that's exactly how it happened, by the way. My memory is damn good. You that's know true. that. My memory is almost photographic when it comes to useless information or semi-embarrassing yeah, information. Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing embarrassing about that. that. I would tell you the same thing if I was in the same situation. So why were you making so much fucking money? <laughs> Bro, the, the reason that the money is what it is because people have a huge need to increase productivity. I, I tell people this. There are three ways that you can make money as a consulting business. You can help people increase their sales, obviously. You can help people decrease their costs. But the trifecta, it's not a trifecta, the, the perfect duo it, that attacks this problem from both sides is if you increase productivity. Because productivity allows you to sell more shit, but also reduce your costs because you're not yeah. wasting time doing mindless madness. Yeah. yeah. And so productivity is the key. It's the magic key that will grow any business for that very reason. Yeah. Well, it's, it's seriously I, I, the magic pill. It is the red pill or the blue pill, whatever, for you Matrix fans. I remember like when you, you showed this to me and, and I think what, what I tell you, it was like one half the time I didn't even email my guests to let them know that their episodes had gone live. They would find out because right. somebody tweeted it. I wouldn't tweet it because it was like, oh, that takes too much so time. Think, like, think, all think these... about that right there. But for you, not emailing your guests, that's missed revenue opportunity because that's new yeah, because it's more listeners that would have heard about your show. Exactly. More listeners right there. So that's missed revenue. Cool. Yeah. Sorry to um, interrupt, but continue. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and, and not only that, we didn't promote aggressively on social. We're rebuilding the automations for that right now. But it was like mm -hmm. the amount of things we left on the table. And now I literally have every podcast transcript directly put into Mem, perfectly formatted mm -hmm. so that I can turn each one into an article to drive new listeners. There's so many things that start to come from this when you think about it from this perspective of, okay, and rather than thinking about it from productivity, like I remember you know, when there were two people, my friend Chathan, who ironically is an AI engineer, was showing me the way that he was emailing potential press. And I was like, you're an idiot. How are you an AI engineer? And this is how you manage your workflow. 
So I ended up doing this right. workflow management you know, audit for him. And when I showed him, I think I showed him yeah. one thing in Mem and another in Airtable. And he was like, I was like, how much time will this save you on bullshit work, repetitive, tedious tasks? He said something like 40% of his day was spent just moving information back and forth, copying something from mm -hmm. one Evernote to email and modifying it. And I'm like, you realize all of this can be completely automated Gross. without you lifting a finger. And, and yeah. I think the reason we said optimizing for laziness is because who doesn't love the idea of getting to be lazy as shit and being incredibly productive simultaneously? That's that's what I call mm -hmm. the trifecta. Like, or not, I don't know if you call that a trifecta. Yeah. The math guy. I'm the Indian who sucks at math, so that was probably a bad metaphor. But <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah. there are three things there, but it's definitely the magic pill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I remember the. It's funny because I was thinking about the the time that you tried to teach Airtable automation to our community. Yeah, I'm like that just went over everybody's head, and I realized I was like these people need to know how to automate just basic shit yours was like way too complex i was like yeah you know like all right yeah. so sorry if anybody enough, from that is still here yeah we apologize for yeah Garrett, <laughs> by the way don't get me wrong we Garrett is a gen genius when it comes to all this stuff and he was genuinely trying to help but i can tell you this like i remember when we got done with that calendar i think you and i you just said like how much time were you spending if you actually did this work 10 hours a week yeah. that were just done down to um pretty sure that the process of booking and managing guests is like a 10 yeah. minute a week task for me now because of what you've built. And now I've gotten to be even more of a jerk and yeah, yeah. we've made our you know entry form to submit the pod, apply to be a guest on the podcast as difficult as an application to Harvard. One of our friends saw it and she was like, this is like a Which job application. She was like, this is like an actual job application. Yeah. I was like, I know it's called the job of providing value to my listeners. And if you're That's not up the for problem. the not to get too far off topic. Yeah. Sorry, dude, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, go no, for it. Not to get too far off topic, but that's this part of the problem, though, with the way that most people conduct business is they're not prioritizing time. And, yeah. and they don't see the correlation between time and money. Or if they do see it, they don't seem to care. And well, not I only that, I applaud they, you for putting that up. Yeah, no, they also think there, there's also a misguided effort. And if you haven't heard our episode with Greg McEwen, that is definitely worth listening to, where we have this misperception that the relationship between impact and effort are linear and they're not it's oh. okay mm -hmm. i can pour 100 hours into clearing my inbox and it's yeah great or and and email is the one i pick on a lot but the funny thing is that there's nuance here too right where it's like hey here's an email from a client who wants to book a call with me who might give me fifty thousand dollars like Reply to the email. That actually is the productive thing to do in that moment. So context matters. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, don't just be sure. like, oh, don't check your email ever again, which that would be lovely. I wish I never got another email again. Yeah. Not from anybody who's listening. Yeah. I would love to hear from all of you. I would actually prefer to hear voicemails from you. But yeah, so I think that this whole idea, but I remember we brought this down to, I think, from what, 10 hours to like maybe 10. Now it's maybe 10 to 15 minutes. And the funnest part is every time I, right, something right. breaks, you always, I promise you, it's not because of something I built. It's because of something you screwed up. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, you're really making me sound like an asshole. That's not how no, I talk to my, well, you're my, my best clients, friend. Folks. That's he doesn't how I talk to his paying clients that way, which by the way, fuck you. I am a paying client. Oh, I have been a paying client now. now. You can't even not call me a paying client, despite the fact that we're friends. Yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. Hell, I might be putting money friend, in yeah. your pocket. Like I might be actually making you money by being a client if I've referred you to the right people. It's true. It's <laughs> yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. You've opened some Yeah. Doors. I mean, it's you are true. an asshole, but you're my best friend and I'm an asshole too. 
you just and like this is yeah, the side yeah, of me that my listeners get this very when i'm interviewing people it's oh wow that's Srini. I'm like no we did these no. office hours and angela our community manager was like we should just call this Srini uncensored like yeah there you go Srini uncensored is, is a great name and here's the thing folks listen and you have a certain vision uh, and you know view of what Srini <laughs> is like when he does his when he does his you know interviews sure but until you've seen him on a catamaran in Jamaica <laughs> as the best man at your wedding, you haven't seen the Srini I know. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this is why we can talk to each other like this. And it's fun. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. We get to have these kinds of conversations with podcast guests. That's the beauty of being best friends. We can basically talk shit about each yeah. other and say noxious things. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And Gareth is doing so well that, you know, I refer to a potential vendor to him and he's, oh, we may make like another 150 grand off of this. So I'll buy you a snowboard. I'm like, fuck you, will buy me a snowboard. And he was like, I was like, seriously? I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, if you make a hundred grand because of a referral I made, I need more than a snowboard. I need three. And then Gareth agreed that he would pay my car off for the next year. So you've heard it here yeah, on the podcast. That sounds fair. No, that now it's set fair. in stone. That's, that's like a now it's set in stone. Like a now. couple thousand people are going to hear you uh, say that. But uh, all right, so committed. let's actually talk about what prompted me to reach out to you. We were having this conversation. Let's talk about something protective. Yeah, yeah, yeah something protective. <laughs> make like, this entertaining to me. This is, it's happy hour, guys. It's happy hour. It is happy hour. I, I had a glass of wine and, and a couple of other things to go with it. I'll, I'll leave that to your imagination. But <laughs> so we were having this conversation and I was telling Gareth that I was getting – I was running into this problem where Josh, our editor, uh, was missing certain things that he needed to do his job. And as Gareth pointed out, if something is broken or fucked up, it's pretty much always my fault, which in this case it absolutely was. There were album covers missing sometimes <laughs> from the episode, and that was my fault because I didn't submit a design request to our designer. And Josh sometimes would go in and he wouldn't be able to find the right audio because Riverside would archive it or something like that, or I'd post the wrong link to be able to share. And so I started thinking yeah. more and more about how to fix this problem, and I, I realized I was the biggest bottleneck that was causing all of these issues. And so I sat down one night and started just fiddling around with Airtable and basically creating formulas and a few other things. And then I sent Gareth a note saying, hey, I figured out fine because we were having this conversation and Gareth was like, no, that's not possible. I was like, I need to set up an automation so that anytime there's five episodes that need new covers, I need to be able to count the number of records and do that. He was like, I don't think you can do that. And I was like, okay. And so then I sent him, a, I called him and I said, you know what? I got this part. I figured out that part. And he looked at me. He's like, wait a minute. You actually figured this out. Holy shit. And so that's when I told him, I was like, yeah, basically I'm optimizing for my laziness so that I can just be a bum when I'm not recording the podcast or writing. Yeah. Cause I don't want to do anything right. else. So then we got into this really interesting discussion, which I think is the foundation in my mind of what it means to optimize for laziness. So I'm going to pull our notes up from this so that Gareth can see them. Yeah. This framework that Gareth came up with called automate, delegate, or do, which I thought was so brilliant. I was like, and then coincidentally, we're like, the acronym for that is ADD. I was like, holy shit, that's nice. This is, so this is ideal for people who have attention issues. <laughs> that's right. Honestly, this is designed yeah. for people who can't focus. And that's me in a nutshell. Let's one, where did you even come up with that whole, was that something that you stole from somebody else and took credit for, or that you and I are now taking credit for? First of all, I'm not taking credit for it. You gave me credit, and I was about to interject that I don't think I I can't say that I penned this. Well, I'll take credit for it. <laughs> all right, Serini is the one you heard it first here, folks. Um, no, somebody actually, else had to have come someone, up with this. Kingshook is who first told me about this. 
when he was helping me build the copy for my first version of my course, like two and a half years ago, he said something along these lines and it stuck with me ever since. I don't know where he got it because I think he was taking it from another big air quotes here, Guru. Who's probably been a guest but on our yeah, show. If he's I, the if first I one to put it on my radar. Which is funny because he, right? he wasn't very good at any of these things. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, but that's a whole other but, story. Uh, so that is a whole other know, story. That's a whole other happy hour. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, that. That's a worth. We'll, we'll do a happy hour on hiring. How to hire, hire good yeah, people. Yeah, and how you go through team members at certain times. And oh, man. Yeah, time. it's funny. That, yeah, that, that's the whole conversation because like you just need, you know, can, you outgrow people. Can I just to tell you real you. quick? This yeah. is really funny. I made, uh, we're about to hire our first full-time person. It's a six-figure job. It's going to include equity. And I made somebody an offer the other day and she told me, actually, I'm going to need 200. <laughs> I was just like, what is happening to the, to the job market right now? I can't even wrap my head around. Good for her. Yeah. That means she probably yep. either has an offer on the table that is that much. I, I can tell right. you this as there's only ever been one time in my entire life where I had two job offers at the same time. The fact mm. that I got a normal job offer from a company period is a fucking miracle, but two mm -hmm. at the same time. And I can tell you, this is, we'll have to do another conversation on decisions at some point, because this is really yeah. one of the most useful things I learned. When I had two offers on the table, yeah. there was one job in Mountain View where I had to drive for those who live in the Bay area. I was living in San Francisco. It's like an hour drive. This is in the early, this is the early 2000s. I'm sure the traffic is just as bad now, mm -hmm. but it was an hour and a half drive. And I was like, I don't want to make the drive. And you know what? Every other day, the recruiter would call me back and she would up the offer by 10 grand. That's madness. 10 yeah, grand is an insane I mean, amount of money. How no, literally. Come on. So I went, I started going, I went like in there. Every day? And I think How like long? A, I mean, not, not like it was a couple of days straight, but so like I went in there, I think right around like 55 grand. And I think the final offer was 80 grand. It was 15 grand more than the job I ended up taking. And I didn't take it. <laughs> okay. The part about that's even weirder is that 10 grand on 50 K base is 20%. Mm -hmm. That's mad. Yeah. She's, she's increasing the offer by 20% on a daily. That yeah. Doesn't even make it we went, we, because I had you offers. how far underpaid you were, you would have been. Right. Yeah, I, I wasn't. And not only that, like I had two offers on the table, whatever, but that's a whole other story. We'll talk about that on another day, but yeah. All right. So let's talk specifically about automation because I think that automation is incredibly misunderstood. I think that people, yeah, we were having a Q and A with Dennis, the co-founder of MEM. And for those who don't have a course on note-taking in MEM called Maximize Your Output, which you can find at MaximizeYourOutput.com. But automation, I think is really misunderstood because we have this sort of minority report, robots doing shit for us. And I, as I was writing this article about optimizing for ladiesiness, I was like, automation is basically hiring digital idiot savants who can only follow yes, no instructions to do your most bullshit work for you. <laughs> that sounds about right. That's what one of the Gary Marcus who wrote his book on AI mm. was like, that is what AI today is. It's a digital idiot savant. And literally I said, just imagine that you're talking to the dumbest person that you've ever met in your entire life who can only follow if then, and yes, no instructions. That actually to me was the foundation of understanding how automation works. Okay. That's perfect. Before we move on to this, though, I don't feel like you really <laughs> fully fleshed out what the ADD principles are. Not the yes, ADHD, let's go back to but 
But clearly, yeah, now, yeah. You know, now, delegate, now we have proof. Yeah, now we have proof that I have ADD. Since yeah, we, we have all the proof we need about <laughs> – that's true. But all right, before we move on to the fundamentals of automation, here's the thing with automate, delegate, or do. There are a very small percentage of things that you do on a daily basis, regardless of your role, that you have to do. Like wherever you are in your career path, whether that's as a business owner, entrepreneur, or you're employed by someone else, very few of the things you do require your processing power and are within your zone of genius. Those things that are not in that, in your zone of genius, they shouldn't be done by you. You're wasting your time and you're subjecting yourself to, to decision fatigue by requiring yourself to do them because you're spending your brain's processing power on crap that doesn't matter and doesn't drive yeah. outputs. And so yeah, no, I mean, you should automate yeah. the heck out of that stuff. Totally. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, let's talk one. What are some of the things that people spend countless hours on that they could automate using some of the things that you teach? So anything that you're copying and pasting, stop that right now. Like, that yeah. is the easiest thing to automate. But beyond mm -hmm. that, there are things within a process, within a workflow. Something happens and that leads to something else. And you can, the, the stupid example is, oh, I got an email from a client that said they're ready to move forward. And so once I got that email, I sent them a legal agreement and had them e-sign it. And then I created an invoice for them and I sent it to them. And every time a client sends you something, sends you that email that says, I'm ready to move forward, you're going to do that? Are you serious? That is, you know, first of all, it's prone to error. You might key the wrong you know, dollar amount on the invoice and then you've got to avoid it, send a new one and all that madness, right? But more importantly, it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your processing power. You should be closing another deal. You should be, you know, completing work on an existing project. You shouldn't be doing this administrative, repetitive stuff. And that stuff, it's that stuff right there that is prone for automation, prone to yeah, being I mean, transferred over to automation. I, I think that for me, the, the big thing was dealing with podcast guests. The fact that, and it's funny oh, because yeah. now when I am getting pitched by publicists, go to our contact form because I know once you go there, it goes into our automation. And when they couldn't figure out how to actually do things the way I wanted them to do, I'm like, great, now we're having a conversation with email. So we had a particular publicist who sent right. me something like 50 emails to, to try to book a guest who had been a guest before. And after all that, she asked me the same questions, you know, multiple times. And I blacklisted that. I, I basically said, she's never gonna be able to get through to me. I'm like, I will talk to him directly because I know he would never put up with this amount of bullshit. And mm -hmm. you guys can use your imagination as to who that guest might have been. But the mm -hmm. fact that it took 50 emails, if I sent that to him and said, this is what your publicist did. And then not only that, we didn't book the interview because this person thought that, you know, mm -hmm. oh, because of their status, like I should agree to the terms. I was like, I don't give a shit about your status. I'm like, you're going to do it my way or we're not going to do it at all. But yeah, uh, well, that's one that's example funny right? thing is that we'll you go back and forth in business. Go ahead. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, you go back and forth. It's like you literally that all could have been handled very simply with a few automations. But yeah. it's amazing because when the automation works, it's just this push a button. You know, from the time I get pitched <laughs> to the time I record the interview, I push a button to let them know that 
they need to come and meet me in Riverside FM. And then I push a button to let them know that their episode is live and here's a promotion kit. And all the stuff that happens behind the scenes, I, can't, I probably mm-hmm. push a button. Yeah. Yep, yep. And yet, so and this like, is, Cal Newport talks about this, right? In his book, A World Without Email, where he's, there's this distinction between workflow and work execution, and the lines get blurred between what those mm. two things are, where people basically are spending as much time managing workflow as they are doing work execution. This is why I've been so passionate about MEM, because I'm like, okay, you spend all this time saving things in folders, but you have to spend just as much time maintaining that stupid structure of mm-hmm. what folder is this saved in. It's like a, having a closet full of clothes where you either can't remember where anything is or why you bought it to begin with or find it when you actually want to wear it. <laughs> That's what folders are, man. That's literally what yeah. folders as an organizational system is. It's I'm like laughing. a digital closet with infinite storage space. That's the worst part about the way we store information in linear structures, unlike your closet, at a certain point, which just gets full and you look like one of those idiots on hoarders, your hard drive can always look empty, even though you have tons of shit that you're never going to open, never going to look right. at, uh, and have right. no idea why you saved, and then you can't find anything you need when you remember it, when you need it. Yeah, you're just going to wind up getting another local storage terabyte on the side, and you're just going to plug it in, and, and you're never going to even... Go through yeah. and clean up all that mess. It's a mess. I, it I, mess. I, I think it's people can mess. delete their entire Dropbox folders and nothing bad oh, yeah. would happen. They'd be like, oh. Nothing bad would happen. Yeah. Maybe um, a few, you know, executed contracts. But other than that, like, nothing bad. Yeah, I don't know that anything that I have in Dropbox is something that I couldn't recover in, like, a matter of days. All right. So, yeah. One of the things that I think is worth touching on is what I called sort of the criteria for automation. And as we talked about, we're talking about tools. So when you think about these tools, you have to remember that the technology is sophisticated, but it's not human. It doesn't have reasoning and critical thinking capabilities. It's basically stupid. It's basically just like I said, you have to think about it as the dumbest person that you're possibly employing. Yeah. And that to me is the way, honestly, that's the way I thought about it is the that you bar. literally have to think about this as, okay, if this thing only understands if, then, and yes, no instructions, how do I explain it like I'm explaining this to the biggest idiot I know? And it's funny because the funny thing is the smarter you are, the worse you're probably going to be at this. This is why we call this episode optimizing for laziness because people who are lazy mm-hmm. naturally think, how do I figure out a way out of this? Perfect example. So we always make things harder than they need to be. And there's a story I've shared before on the show. I don't know if I ever told you this about my friend who wanted to create a, a remote control to control his television in the living room. <laughs> this was pre-Netflix before we could stream anything. So keep in mind, this guy's an MIT engineer, yeah. really smart guy. Okay. And he was working on RFID or RF technology at Oracle. That was his first job out of MIT. And so I go over yeah. one day and he's looking at, at his television and he wanted to be able to, cause we could download stuff to our computers at that point, but we couldn't stream it to our TVs yet. And so he had gotten wires and stuff. And so he was building this remote control because when he got stoned, he didn't want to have to go to the bedroom to push pause or rewind. He wanted to be able to do it in the living room. And I sure. remember going over there and I was like, why don't you just use a wireless mouse? And he <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. And the reason I, I share that story, which I've shared a handful of times on the show, is because that's actually one of the keys to making this work well is to eliminate as many steps from the process that you think are necessary that probably aren't. And this is something that I, this is one of the things we, you know, we talked about documentation. And I remember even in, in the process of writing mm -hmm. this, I remember the first time you had me explain this entire process. It was like trying, trying to get a five-year-old to explain how do I run my business? And that effectively, mm -hmm. is, that was critically important. Why don't you talk about that? I, I think that you probably have a better understanding of why that is. Oh, I do. So here's the funny, this is by far the hardest thing that I have to do. It's like herding cats. Whenever we take on a new project, we have to extract the process out of the business owner who, for whatever reason, fights us on the process. Like they don't, it's, and, and honestly, it's not from a place of malice or, or concern, anything like that. It's not from a place of intellectual property. The, the truth is, the sad truth, the vast majority of clients that I've worked with have no idea what their process is. And we're talking like, like they big companies, like tell large them. organizations, right? Yeah. I've worked with some enterprise level clients, like Fortune 50 clients who don't really know their process. Which so the is first, amazing. The first thing you can't automate something you don't know okay. how to do yourself, dude. It's this is I feel like my slogan, right? My, my if I made a T-shirt that like summed up my life in a sentence, it would be this: You can't tell a computer to do something if you can't communicate it to me. If you can't articulate <laughs> a thing, there's yeah. no way you can tell a computer to do it because computers until we have full blown AI, right? But right now we don't. Right now we have to program the computer to do the thing. So if you can't communicate it to me in human terms, there's no way you can expect me to build an automation or I can help you build an automation to do that thing. No way. Not only that, you have to assume that Gareth is the stupidest human too. Sorry, I just, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help myself. That was like such a perfect setup. It was um, low hanging fruit, man. Uh, Gareth, Gareth is far smarter than I am. So like, I had to actually just take that opportunity to like harass him a little bit. So well received. Here's what I actually thought about when I came up with this framework, right? Is okay. Multiple times a week, if you're doing the same thing, I, I had a couple of criteria. Mm -hmm. One was something where the content changes and the process doesn't. Anything you do multiple times a week where that's the mm -hmm. case. And then mm -hmm. you also have to account for the variables that change. And what I said when I was writing was that the number of variables that change in the process for completing a task will determine how easy it is to automate. So for example, if you have 50 different humans mm -hmm. working on things that all need things that are very creative and dependent on human labor, that's the other thing you, you have to figure out like, what out of this do I actually need some human to do? So the example I came back to is Josh can edit the interview. We can notify our guests. Our virtual assistant can, uh, you know, proofread a transcript. We can automate the process of assigning tasks to her, but I can't automate doing this episode. That was what was funny to me when I asked people about what was difficult right. about their pod podcast production process. I laughed when people were like, finding good guests, reading the books. I was like, yeah, <laughs> those things you have to do. You can't automate those. Like that I didn't ask, what do you want to be able to automate? Terrible. But <laughs> yeah, but it just baffled me that somebody said, oh, finding you know, quality guests. It's like, yeah, you don't want to automate that. You could, you're going to end up with some shitty guests right. if you do. But you can automate everything that, I mean, that there's all these yeah. ancillary activities that surround the primary value generating thing that everybody does that are of almost no value. And yet they take up boatloads of time. 
That's very true. Most people, this uh, going back to the ADD framework, automate, delegate, do. Very few of the things that you do, most, well, let me, let me rephrase. You've started to automate your life, so this probably doesn't pertain to you sprinting. But maybe a lot of your listeners who haven't started automating their lives, automating their jobs yet, mm-hmm. maybe they're still in this boat where they're doing all the things. And realistically, only 10, think about Pareto's principle, right? It's the 80-20 rule. So 20% of the stuff you do is actually required to be done by you that you couldn't automate, you couldn't hand it off to someone else. Anyway. I, I tend to favor automation over delegation, but sometimes delegation well, is required. Yeah, sometimes sorry. delegation makes sense because there's things that yeah only a human can do. Like I can't automate the audio editing. Josh, right. Like Josh does an amazing job putting this together, right. and right. especially when right. we do really Thanks, complex Josh. things, there are creative things that need to be done. So that's the other thing to think about, right? Automation is not going to be able to yeah. be creative, although there are some pretty mind-boggling creative. AI tools are happening. We'll, we'll do an entire episode on artificial intelligence and virtual reality at some point. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe we'll do that next. That's you're going to have to, one. yeah. <laughs> You'll have to leave I, that I have, one because you're the one who I, comes over with the Oculus or whatever. Yeah, I have plenty to say about that. But, okay, so we're talking about, this is what I came up with as criteria, right? Is account for variables that change, automate tasks where, you know, the content uh, changes, and then look at any tasks that you um complete multiple times a week. And I started looking at what are the key variables that go into automating a task. And it was just apps, tools, services, and people is what I came up with was, okay, these are all the various in. So I I think you have to think about it, yes, as a combination of inputs and outputs, right? Like what is the input? And the inputs are all the variables that will determine what aspects of this you can automate. And then the output is what finally happens. And Zapier calls this triggers and actions. Oh and I remember gosh. the way that I described this for my, my students in my mem course was think about it as sources and destinations with mem being the only destination that everything gets sent to. Like I thought it was <laughs> the way I explained it was that it's like ordering a pair of shoes. So the source of that pair of shoes is a shoe factory. That's, you know, probably being run by some sweatshop labor in China and Nike is making a fortune off of it. And yeah, I'm sure Phil Knight is probably really pissed off. Hopefully we don't get sued by Nike, but I doubt Phil Phil Knight knows who I am. On a side note, we're actually going to have a guy who designed Air Jordans here as a guest pretty soon. Great. And let's call them Nike. Just, just so there's no confusion. <laughs> well, yeah, well, whatever. Nike, Reebok, Nike. you know, Adidas, you know, whatever, Converse, <laughs> whatever you wear. <laughs> yeah, whatever your preferred brand of shoe is, it's probably all coming from some factory mm-hmm. somewhere. But the thing is, so yeah. that's the source. Then you have the destination, which is you getting it in your mailbox or getting it sent to your house. And in between, there are filters where you say, okay, I want this type mm-hmm. of shoe. I want this brand. I want this color because we don't want we don't all, if we were all wearing the same type of shoes, then Usain Bolt wouldn't, you know, win the Olympics. You have to wear shoes that are the right size. Not that Gareth and I will ever be in the Olympics, I although he's apparently still... he's. Yeah. You, you give Usain, Usain Bolt a run for his money. I, I would pay money to watch that. I would literally invite all my listeners to watch you race Usain Bolt. That would be amazing. <laughs> it wouldn't be fun. I don't. Uh, dude, it would be fun would for me, me before I even took off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not fast. For sure. On a side, yeah, Gareth and I were in marching band together. And if you're athletic mm-hmm. at all, you're mm-hmm. not in marching band. Although I am fairly athletic, it turns out. That's true. And apparently you are too. Now you're playing yeah. hockey. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I play hockey now. But I'm never going <laughs> to. 
I'm not going to be on the Olympic team anytime soon. Let's put it that way. But yeah. it is. It's you might be on the Olympic curling team. Have you? Do you, you could make the Olympic. Have you seen those guys? Those guys are like, you know, more out of shape than you and I are. They just hang out in a lake in Minnesota. And oh. there's an entire documentary about them on Netflix. Bro, there's hope for us. We we've got yeah. a, we have an Olympic goal to reach. Let's go. Greg Hartle and I was like, we could do the luge. Or like curling, which is Tim, my roommate, called curling shuffleboard on ice. Which it kind of is. <laughs> that is what it is. Yeah. yeah but uh, we looked at the key variables that you have to think about, which are, are filters. And the reason we brought that up is that you want to, you have to filter to determine like what information goes to what destination. Filters are incredibly important. And I know this because I've screwed this up. When Gareth, if you're fixing the automations, turn off everything in your database. Don't just do it. I sent an email to 600 people all at once by accident. We've all been One there. of those things that variables, like variables are, are important. You probably have more to say about this than I do. Variables are simply, are, are, as you've said very eloquently, by the way, inputs and outputs, right? Everything that we do as, as humans, when we're performing a, a job or a, taking information through a workflow, we're taking data in, we're adding our secret sauce, whatever our secret sauce is, and then we have an output that comes from that. And so why can't you take those inputs, build your secret sauce in massive air quotes, build your secret sauce into an automation so that it does it for you in the background. You know, to go back to that example I had earlier, you, you create an invoice. How much is the invoice for? If you have multiple layers of services, multiple like offers, then maybe the invoice amount changes based on the offer. Or maybe it's a constant amount that you have. Like every time I engage, I have I require a $3,000 deposit. Boom, the end. There you go. If, you, mm -hmm. if it's an input that you require that information, then you have a way that you tie that information together. If it's an input where it's constant, then it's not so much a variable, but as a static element to that particular thing where you don't have to change it every time. No. And you can just you know, set it up so that it, it does this. And the thing is, all, all right, of these so, tools, we, we all use these tools. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I, I, this actually is a question out of morbid curiosity. You don't have to, to reveal any names or anything like that. But what was the most complicated mm -hmm. thing that you've ever had to automate for somebody? Give, a, give us a summary. What was the thing you were like, this is a mind fuck? The most complicated automations are those that have really difficult paths and loops. So this is, we're getting into really advanced stuff and I don't want to scare people off of automation. Yeah, yeah, so we, we, I just want to hear this. Like, give, give, us like a, automation. give us like a, the version, yeah. like that's a, a really exciting movie. Uh, give us the trailer. We don't need to see the movie. Oh man. This is like, give us so like a minority report style. Of course I'm going to put you on the spot. Like it's what we're supposed to do to each other. I remember this really fun farm that we worked with. They have, and still work with, in an ongoing basis, they remap their fields every single year. So like the land that they have is relatively fixed, but how they chop it up and what they plant where is different. So then they plant this stuff and then they harvest it. It's, they, they harvest the seed, so it's like grain. And so they go in, they harvest the seed and they take these massive like tons you know, in, in weight trucks and they weigh the trucks and then they sift through the seed and they do all this stuff. And, that process for them, it's like, it's, they have an entire database now that runs that process. Their workers are logging in from their iPhones or their tablets, and they're, you know, logging in information in the field 
They're tracking all this stuff in real time. And, uh, and the whole process is seamless. So it's not like wow. one exact, like, it's not one process. Like I drove the truck up and that was a hard automation. No, the, the, when you ask me what the hard, what the hard solve was, it's the overall mm. thing. It's like the yeah. front, it's the, from beginning to end, where did it go? Yeah. And it's funny because well, in terms of the, the deeper clients that we've worked with, they're not one of the best best known clients, but they're the ones that really had my mind spinning when we were building this stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, look, next piece, let's talk about delegation. And it's funny because as I was writing this article mm. about delegation, I thought of this story. So uh, two Christmases ago, my dad decided that he wanted to clean the garage. And if you've read any of my articles, I've written about my parents' garage. My parents' garage is like folders. Yeah, my parents' garage is like a, a perfect example of Mac, why people should sign up for my Maximize Your Output course. They have a bunch of shit mm -hmm. in there. They don't know half what half of it is. They're having to clean it all mm -hmm. the time. And I'm pretty sure it doesn't look any better than it did when we tried to clean it in 2019. Like we did this massive garage clean out project and my dad asked me to help wow. and I refused. And I told him, I was like, I'll help. <laughs> But I'm not going to do any of the labor. I'm like, I'll put an ad on Craigslist. I'll get you a kid who's on Christmas vacation in high school, and I'll give him a hundred bucks. My dad's like, that's not how you're supposed to think yeah. about this. I'm like, that's precisely how you should think about this because this is what I said in in, in you know, the uh, <laughs> the article. I'm like, if the cost per hour to complete something is less than what you'd be willing to pay yourself to do it, that makes it something that you should either delegate or automate. I'm like cleaning the parents' garage yeah. during Christmas vacation? Are you kidding me? That sounded awful. Now, yeah. like some high school kid would have happily taken a hundred bucks, I think. Oh yeah. I if, maybe I should, you have a high this schooler, is... so yeah. you think she would have done it for a hundred bucks? Oh, sure. A hundred bucks is an awful lot of money to my high schooler, but at the same time, she is incredibly lazy. I don't know that she would actually want to get out and do that. I don't know, man. I, I don't feel like her mentality is one where to, she's incredibly motivated by money, but. That that makes a to, perfect setup to talk to about what we should. <laughs> yeah. So what do you? So the thing that I, I came back, you know, after I said that, I was like, you think about a CEO, right? If you yeah. get an, uh, if you're booking, I, I see this all the time when I book really high profile podcasts, because when we're very busy people who make a lot of money, who are doing like fifty speeches a year, I didn't hear from them ever. Yeah. There's always an intermediary, and sometimes it's annoying, but luckily I get the email sure. right to them for the automation. But that, that's and I thought about it. It's like, okay, if you're a CEO whose time is worth five grand an hour, you spending 15 minutes on a phone with a travel agent is actually costing you a lot of money. And that is something yeah. that never struck me because it was like, wow, okay. And if you're like a billionaire, your time is oh, literally, man. that is like incredibly costly. So let's talk about this idea of delegate, delegation. So we're talking about it from the standpoint of, okay, I'm gonna delegate the things that somebody else could do better than I would pay somebody else to do, but then there are also the things you hate doing. Yeah. Or the like things you suck at. There's things, oh so gosh. actually we should break down the delegation categories. So delegation categories, things that you wouldn't pay yourself the same rate to do that you would, you know, uh, that somebody else could do cheaper. Things you hate doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the funny thing is people actually automate a lot of things they hate doing without realizing it. So for example, auto bill pay is a perfect example of this where people have delegated or automated something sure. and they don't think about that as an automation. Yeah. And, and we have these all, like in our- Along those yeah. same lines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
you can just pull yes. a certain amount of money out of your bank account every two weeks and have it, you know, go into your Vanguard or whatever. Well, yeah. Ramit, Ramit talks about that. And, you know, Ramit said he talks about that about automated yeah. finances. But as far exactly. as delegation goes, it's like things like cleaning your house where if you could have somebody else do it, why would you do it yourself? That uh, where – and yeah. the funny thing is I've learned this. So actually you're a perfect example. So Gareth and I were talking. There's something broken in Airtable that I, I was thinking about fixing myself. And I thought to myself, okay, I can do this in five hours. One of Gareth's guys can do it in 30 mm -hmm. minutes. I might have to pay him 150 bucks, but the opportunity cost would be five hours of my time that I hopefully think is worth more than 150 right. bucks. And so that's the thing. When you right. start to think about delegation, not just in terms of the cost itself, but the opportunity cost. I think that's really in my mind the key to effective delegation is what is the opportunity cost of doing this thing myself that I either suck at and it will take me a long time because I suck at it. One, yep. it is something that I would pay somebody le less money than I would pay myself. Or two, I just fucking hate doing it. What yep. do you hate doing that you ought to listen? If you hate technology aside, like what, what are that? What does your wife bitch about that you hate doing? That you've tried to automate? Oh, shit. Oh, I wish I could automate this. Okay, so look, at this point, my business has been doing pretty well for the last couple of years. So for the you most part- You automate your daughter's all those allowance, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do that. I do. Okay, just share so, that story. You shared it before. Like, this is actually a good one a good for story. parents listening, okay, like getting okay. your kids to do their chores. You can automate getting your kids to do their chores. Isn't that amazing? So here's the, this came from a frustration that I had when I was a kid. Because my dad would tell me, hey, I'll give you, you know, 20 bucks a week or maybe, no, that's not right. It was like five bucks a week and I would make like 20 yeah. bucks a month. What are you talking about? This was like the, yeah. you know, late 80s, yeah. early 90s. Late you know, 80s, exactly. Clearly yeah, your daughter has accounted for inflation. <laughs> like, she sure she, has. She sure has. She's not lazy. She's optimizing for her own laziness. She's smart. <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. What, what would wind up happening is with, with my allowance as a kid, I never knew. Like how, wait, they didn't pay me last week. They didn't pay me for the last three months. Do they owe me like 60 bucks? I think they you do. You got an allowance. Did I do my chores? So, yeah, I know. I shouldn't even complain. Your job was to like, just have good grades and fold your hands nicely at the dinner table. I am Indian, man. No they disrespect like when to my your old parents because I love them. Yeah, but, wait, my old roommate was like, hey, did you get straight A's in high school? I was like, of course I got straight A's in high school. I'm Indian. Like that's non-negotiable <laughs> for Indian parents. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, reward yeah, you yeah. for that shit. That they was a minimum. Give you up. That was a minimum. They, they, yeah. like, so you came up with three Bs. It's like, all right, we're calling an adoption agency <laughs> to come and take you away. Yeah, that, was, that must have been a tough summer. But but anyway, yeah. So listen, my my daughter's summer. That was like eighteen years. Sense. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's true. It was. Yeah, my parents but are not that that it, brutal. But like, you know, you get it. They're so. not. They're not. We're joking. But no. Yeah. Okay. So. Her stuff, it's not that the chore is automated, it's that the tracking of the chore is automated. Her yeah. allowance amount is automated. Every night, she's sent a text message that says, please fill out this form and tell us what chores you've done. That text message is sent automatically. She submits and says, I did chores one through five, but I skipped chores six and seven. And then all of, then, no, sorry, then my wife receives a text that says, your daughter has submitted her chore report. Would you like to review it? And she, and then my wife clicks in and reviews it and says, she didn't do chore four. She yeah. I was going to ask was like, when did she, she ever bullshit you? Yeah. Every day. Cause she's a 17 year old. 
No disrespect yeah. to the 17 year olds listening to the show, but you're all full of crap. So then, yeah, my wife comes in. <laughs> she, she goes in, she, she upgrades or updates the actuals here, right? So having, you know, some approval system in place. And then the amount due to my daughter is automatically generated. We get a weekly report that says, please put this amount onto her uh, prepaid debit card. And so we transfer wow. that amount. Yeah. And clean. then that, that is pretty clean. Like now, you know, if to deal with the parents, some of these parents are like, great, now I got to pay my kid an allowance. But you can still automate the chores. I'm sure my parents would be like, great. Although my mom is impossible to please, so we didn't get chores. We just had to do get good grade. That's why we didn't get chores, man, because nobody can meet her standards for cleanliness. Oh, I mean, you've gosh, been to our house. No. It's like Buckingham Palace. It is. No. We keep a tidy house over here, but your mom intimidates the heck out of me. Yeah, she intimidates the heck out of most people. Like Marie Kondo couldn't hold a candle <laughs> to her. She's bring me joy. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although my mom and Marie Kondo might get along great, she'd be like, wow. Like, Probably. Man, my dad would hate her because she'd be like, stop buying all this useless shit from Costco. That's why your garage is such You're a right. mess. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, say, we have like Costco 15 of everything. No, but I'll tell you, he, he put it back on us during the pandemic. He was like, see, he was like, I bought all these like sanitary wipes. I stocked up on them and now nobody has them. And we do. <laughs> <laughs> like the one right. time dad the one time yeah yeah no he was the one time that lasted for two years <laughs> so that lasted yeah um, that's true that's true that's true that's all true. right so but if he had two years the, worth of sanitary wipes my lord there were enough that i he sent us some when they were sold out everywhere so I, I got plenty and like i still have them <laughs> i think but yeah anyways so let's talk about the things that people should do because i i came across yeah. this i quote in, in Scott Belsky's book, The Messy Middle, about prioritizing mm -hmm. those things that have a disproportionate impact. And that really stayed with me because mm -hmm. that made me think that, wait, that means you can do a whole hell of a lot less on any given day and actually make yeah. meaningful progress. Yeah. So today it was like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to write, I'm going to record this with you. I think I had like three or four things on the list today that were significantly more important than all the other things that I would have typically wasted my time on. So can I like just zoom out real quick before I jump yeah. into the do category? The problem is, this is just my take. It's one man's opinion. But I think that the problem is that we still work in an environment that is, is that was established in the Industrial Revolution. So bear with me on this thought. Henry Ford comes out and says, hey, listen, I want to maximize productivity for turning this wench and putting this thing on the car. That's your job, person number 783, on my assembly line. So your job is to turn this wench, and then as soon as you do that, there's gonna be another car with another wench ready for you to turn. So the whole idea back then was like, okay, we need to find out like, what's the, what's, how can we maximize productivity? Give people coffee in the workplace. Eight hours is the sweet spot. If they work more than that, they're unproductive and actually cost us more money. Seven hours now, we can milk them for more than that. The problem is, in my opinion, we moved into the knowledge economy without re-evaluating the work week. We still say we should work 40 hours a week. 
but we're doing knowledge work instead of turning a wrench or turning a wench and, and tightening a screw on a Model T fork. We're, we're mm-hmm. still working schedules like we live in the Industrial Revolution, but we're doing completely different work that requires way more brain power, way more processing power, and we don't have enough at the end of the day. And no one's come in like Henry Ford and said, hey, now that we're in a knowledge-based economy, maybe we should reevaluate the way that we work. Cal Newport no has that. been... Cal Newport is trying to do that, well, but he's... And, and, but Cal is obviously... He's, hey, he's a, a professor, and uh, I, I just... Cal, like, why are you a professor? Do you have any idea how much more money you could make going and building apps? And he's like, yeah, I'm well aware of that. Like, he's, I've been approached by plenty of people. He's like, but... This is actually a good example. Cal has prioritized the lifestyle of being a professor. He's, I have plenty of freedom. I get to do things I enjoy. I make enough money to live in Georgetown. So he optimized for, he actually passed on the opportunity to go and work at Microsoft when he finished MIT. He chose to pursue a PhD because it would give him more time to write if he got to become a tenured professor. And the funny thing is he writes about the very things that are these problems that we're talking about. That's what his book, A World Without Email about is about, which is this whole idea of the what he calls this hyperactive hive mind workflow, which he talked about where, you know, knowledge work happens in this ongoing unstructured communication where you get unscheduled messages, unplanned tasks. And so as a result, you're just constantly shifting from one app to another, from one tool to another, from one meeting to another. And as a result, you don't get anything done. And so I I always joke that if I went into a company today, I would either get promoted in the first week or get fired on the first day. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, you still have an intro to count. <laughs> oh, this is true. I do. Now you've done this. I, I, it's I true. Will, yeah, make good on that. Oh, good. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. I didn't realize we were tit for tat still. I thought we were beyond that. <laughs> we, yeah, absolutely. That, that's how this, that's what best friends do, right? We keep score. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. They keep score. Um, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's pretty mind boggling. I think that what I like about mm-hmm. your story is one, you know, is that after five failed businesses, you figured this out. And that's, there's probably a lot, it, it, unconsciously, you probably were bound to end up here anyways. I think that's another thing. People underestimate the impact of the things that I do believe work, that even though they, yeah. you know, they actually teach you things. I remember like the first website type thing you built after taking a programming class actually by one of our guests. And I was like, so this is Yelp for something yeah, that we're yeah. not going to talk about. I'm like, yeah, wow. I'm like, nobody gives a shit about this, but this is impressive. And look, I, I mean, here's the thing. Like one of my favorite professors in B school used to say the number one thing I wish for all of you, just, you know, talking to us as recent or upcoming graduates, right? He said, the number one thing I wish for all of you is that you fail fast and you fail hard. And I thought, what an asshole when he said that. And I was like, this guy's a jerk. Uh, he's been my favorite professor up until now, but but I can't believe he would say that. But the yeah. truth is, like now in hindsight, I'm like, he is he was so spot on. He really knew what he was talking about. Because you've got to yeah, get I mean, crap and- kicked out of you a couple times. And it helps you totally. focus on the stuff that matters. Well, not only that, and then you start to think about, okay, how do I not repeat these same stupid mistakes by... Uh, what we're talking about here, which is optimizing for your laziness, because ultimately what this allows (laughs) you to do in my mind is to stay in your zone of genius and design workflows for other people to stay in theirs. And the funny thing is that this is not a new idea. This goes back almost 250 years to basic foundational economic principles. I'm talking about this. I read the wealth of nations. I don't know if you know that, like 
I, despite being a C minus economics student, I know more about how the economy works or the basic foundations of economics. Now, not that I could do Steve Mnuchin's job or I probably could. I think I could have come up with a better stimulus plan than he did. I think a bunch of kindergartners could have run <laughs> Congress more effectively, but that's a story for another day. Well, um, you have a deeper understanding of economics, even if it might be at a C average than the average human being alive today. Let's be honest. Even if you, right? Yeah. I, mean, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know anything. So I'll tell you when I knew I was screwed is when I was listening to a professor talk about how to use utility function to maximize the amount of milk you could get from a cow. I was like, when the fuck am I ever going to need it? I had to do that. <laughs> um, and that was pretty much well, my moment. We say that though. And yet I, use, I remember people saying, when in the world am I ever going to use this differential equation? the madness that I'm learning right now. And you never know when you might need that stuff. Cause so funny, speaking of maximizing the amount of milk that you can get out of a cow, <laughs> I literally created a course <laughs> called maximize your output. And I realize now, you know, See? to your point. So he had the last the laugh. Only, he had the last, the laugh, only man. thing that the only, only thing that changed was instead of, ca uh, you know, <laughs> the milk you get out of a cow, it's the amount of creative work that you can get out of a note-taking app. What a bizarre connection. Uh, I never made that one until now. See? But you're toast, bro. You you lost this argument yeah, well, the reason, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the reason I, I brought this up as the final point that I wanted to hit was Adam Smith talks about this yeah. in The Wealth of Nations, and it's about division of labor, right? And he said that division of labor was the key to maximizing output. Because when you have division of labor, you're basically allowing every individual involved in the process to basically ma maximize based on the dexterity. Like the, every individual has different skill sets, things that they're good at, things that they're bad at. So if you're doing things you're not good at, things you hate doing, or things that somebody else could do cheaper, you're actually doing yourself a disservice in terms of your ability to be productive. You actually diminish your output for that very reason. And the thing now is that we're not just uh, delegating and dividing labor between humans, we're dividing it between humans and technology. That was my profound right. sort of aha when I read Adam Smith. And I, I thought, yeah, we're still doing division of labor. We're just dividing labor yes. between people and technology is doing a lot of the things that humans would have done even 10 years ago. Like I had a job where half my job was to reset passwords for people and to send them yeah, notes oh on gosh. usernames. I was like, that, that job probably is completely unnecessary. Disgusting. But, but, you know, yeah. to bring this yeah. into a more modern context, Adam Smith, I think, is met with some friction in today's world because he's cut and dried and black and white. But what if instead we said, you're not just doing yourself a disservice by keeping these things on your plate. It's not just yourself that you're doing a disservice to. It's everyone who can benefit from your value. All of the potential clients, vendors, business partners that you might otherwise work with, when you don't maximize your output, you're doing all of them a disservice, which really means, and I'm, I, I don't mean, I don't state this lightly. It really means you're doing the world a disservice because you're not making your efficiency a priority. Yeah. By making your efficiency your priority, you stay in your zone of genius. The world gets your gifts, which made me want to ask you, what do you actually do every day? 
if you're automating everything. Like I was thinking about this, guys, I, I thought this was like a perfect mm. place to come full circle. I'm like, what the hell do you actually do? Because I could, I remember I texted Garrett, just so you guys know, and I was like, hey, man, I need you to fix something Shit. for me. I'll pay you for it. Can I have you do it instead of somebody on your team? He was like, no, I don't have the time. Granted, he has a client that's paying him a shitload more money than I could afford to pay him. So that was fair. I would do the same thing. But <laughs> I thought this would be a perfect way to wrap this up. So what do you actually do every day? I get, oh, be yeah. mind, he also has a toddler. And I've seen what that's. So real talk, I work from 8 a.m. until 1 o'clock. And then I'm on dad duty, which I never would have dreamed about before. Like I would have never dreamed that was a, a possibility. So yeah, I've got two kiddos at home. One of them's a senior at high school, but she still needs some help. And then the other one's a, is a two-year-old. So I'm split between those different roles, different things I have to do. And then I play hockey to stay in shape or get in shape, if I'm being honest. And then I, uh, uh, he is, I we're not going to post the video, but let's be honest. That's one place where I've gotten, I got a one up on you. <laughs> like I have to take that. You know. Yeah. I'm getting, I definitely put on my COVID, my COVID-19 here. So yeah, Abby too. we're, we're going to get this off else. in good time, guys. We're going to get this off. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Back to, well, I'm going to have to buy his daughter <laughs> skis to make him come to the mountain with me, but. Yeah, no, That's it right. just made me wonder when you're actually doing work, if you're automating all these different things, what is the bulk of your time mm -hmm. spent on work-wise? I honestly, I think that the role of someone in business today, if you're a business owner, if you're an entrepreneur, I believe your role and responsibility is to build systems. That's your job. Yeah. Build systems that produce outputs for your, you know, produce the results for your business, whether that's creating courses or building a team or building the actual like app slash no code software, that's going to run your business on the background, in the background, whatever that is, that's yeah. your job. That's your job. It's not for, you got to jump between that. I think that makes a, a perfect place to wrap up. And this was super fun. And obviously we've talked a little bit about your business, but but how do people, this isn't like an interview, obviously. And just so you know, Gareth has been recruited right. to be my co-host for this segment. And so you'll hear from him plenty more. We'll dissect different subjects. Yeah. I just needed somebody to talk to. I didn't want to talk to myself. That was mind numbing. And this is way more interesting. And hopefully you find it interesting as well. Uh, as I said before, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to, we have a voicemail thing on our website. I've mentioned that there's got to be one of you out there who owns an Oculus like I want to host a unmistakable creative meetup inside <laughs> virtual reality. So for the love of God, one of you who's listening, even yeah. if it's just one person, you and I can be weirdos and Oculus together. Gareth, where can people find out more about Gap Consulting and your work? You have your YouTube channel. Where can they find the most basic things they can learn how to automate more importantly? Because we don't want them to end up like our community who was like, why the hell did you bring this guy here? I have no idea what he's building and I'm confused <laughs> as shit. <laughs> Yeah, let's not go down that road. Listen, if you want to learn the basic building blocks for automation, check out my free webinar, garethpronovost.com slash webinar dash registration. Maybe, uh, Srini, we can post some uh, show notes there. And, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll add a link. There. 
Yeah, we'll add a link to to what Gareth was talking about in the show notes. Uh, Gareth and I will also do a webinar on some of this at some point uh, in the next probably month or two oh, yeah. we're talking about doing this, where we can teach you about all this. If you haven't signed up for the Unmistakable Creative Newsletter, definitely do that. You can find out more about that at our website. We're sharing all sorts of stuff outside of the podcast there. But yeah, man, this was super fun. Anything, Any final parting words of wisdom, Gareth? Now that man, we have a couple of glasses of wine in. <laughs> wow. You know, what a disappointment. It would just be this. I, it would be this. It would be this. Uh, you know, the way to eat an elephant is to, to take it one bite at a time. So Never. this thing can seem overwhelming if you're first, if this is the first you've ever heard of it. Just focus on taking small baby steps because every little imp, every little automation you build, even if it only saves you two minutes a day, over the course of a year, that's 6,000 minutes. That's a lot of time. Right? Yeah. So every day, if you make these small incremental improvements, automation can have a profound impact on your work life balance in a very short amount of time. If you just focus on learning the building blocks, taking it one step at a time. Yeah. It's good stuff. That's all it takes two minutes a day to be as lazy as you want and incredibly productive at the same time. <laughs> and we will wrap the show with that. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.